Hello and welcome to Second Operator, the podcast dedicated to portable synthesizers and Dallas music. I am your humble host, Shines. This is episode nine. We are almost at the 10 episode mark here. Really happy with how the community is growing. It's nice to have so many repeat listeners coming back for our newest conversations. And for the Dallas musicians out there, I'm going to get to you. And I can't wait to eventually talk to every single one of you. <laughs> I'm really excited about our guest today. We've got the legendary James Burns, aka Robinson's Village, um, on Instagram. I followed his stuff for years. I mean, absolutely incredible sound designer and musician. He seems to have an understanding of the OP1 that no one else in this dimension has come close to. I've actually been a follower and listener to his stuff since really the beginning of my own journey into Dallas. And we'll get to that in just a second. Let's start with a little bit of news for the week here. Now, there's uh, not been a whole lot of news lately on new synthesizers or whatnot, but just wanted to make a quick little shout out here. Um, so we all know Apple just unveiled their new VR AR hybrid headset, which is really cool and all. And at this point in time has really nothing to do with Dallas music. But recently, they have actually released a version of their flagship audio workstation app Logic onto iPad. So it's basically a full DAW, a digital audio workstation for your tablet, untethered to any laptop or desktop computer or whatnot. I mean, it's got built-in touch instruments, got sequencing capabilities. I mean, that's all great. But what I've really been curious about is its ability to work with MIDI. And well, after pouring through the user guide, because um, well, actually, I don't have an iPad that can run it, um, I found that it actually does sport a whole slew of MIDI capabilities, including Bluetooth for all you OP1 field users out there. It's got USB MIDI as well, and even something called Network MIDI, which will let you use any MIDI instrument hooked up to a Mac on your Wi-Fi network, which is kind of crazy. Um, how well all this works in real time, we have yet to really see, but the implications of using Logic Pro for iPad as a MIDI looper slash sequencer for performances with, you know, actual digital or um, sorry, desktop synthesizers is just pretty astounding. Obviously, this entire show here, Second Operator, is about getting away from computers to make music. But I mean, with software this powerful on a mobile device, what is a DAW anymore anyway? I mean, could this be considered Dallas or hybrid or maybe an abomination. I don't know, but let me know in the comments or get in touch with me via Instagram. I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on this. And really, that's all the news we have for today. I'm going to just push things right along to our interview. I want to just go ahead and make a um, give a really warm welcome to our guest. James Burns comes to us live from London, desktop synthesizer musician, OP1 sound design monster and modular artist. James has been electrifying the Instagram synth community for years now. Really excited to get into his musical process. James, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I mean, let's, um, you know, uh, let's just kind of get right into it here. Um, do you want to maybe give us a little bit of a background um, on your musical life, starting with your early life? How'd you get into music? Yeah, sure. So like, when I was younger, um, I want to say around like maybe like seven years old, yeah. um, schools in the UK can like offer quite frequently offer um, instrument lessons. So I started off playing the um, the cornet, which is like a little squished up trumpet for people that maybe don't know. Um, played in a lot of orchestras, stuff like that. Then got really big into my um, into guitar. Um, and then like, you know, kind of used to make rocksmith videos, which is a little game like guitar hero, um, sending those out onto YouTube and then, um, played in a couple of bands and, but then, uh, the bands I was playing in, I always got known for having just a 
stupidly oversized pedal board with like 20 pedals nice and then i eventually realized i was just trying to make my guitar sound like a synth so <laughs> i may as well try and uh you know delve into synths a little bit and um yeah and then i kind of got sucked into it all and then uh now my room is overtaken by simps and i have to crawl into them to get into my bed yeah. <laughs> that's awesome i I'd had no idea that you know, cornet um was your first instrument i mean that's that's a brass instrument do you still do you still play yeah. it no i don't own one i have been tempted to buy one um recently just to kind of get back into it but yeah. i've got some friends that have played and I've, I've tried to play trumpet i can still like remember most of it but yeah. it's all about like having like the right muscle in your mouth oh and stuff gosh, like that and I've, yeah. I've lost yeah. that now i wow. can't um what um can't get that back but maybe sorry to hit you with a technical question but what key does the cornet play in isn't it something kind of weird i, I, remember. I, I feel like isn't it's it like, like, like a, i feel like it's like b flat or something i was gonna say I yeah think it's yeah B flat. it's one of those instruments that that's right. like you don't really see those in a lot of bands or like big bands or jazz or whatnot just because it's like I know with trumpets, you can play in C. I think there's like a, you know, or, or A or, or a, some key that's easier for other instruments, I guess, to play with. Yeah. But cornet, I've always kind of known. It's like, all right. What, yeah, but you know, that sounds yeah. about right. I remember it being a little bit weird. <laughs> oh, that's really that's cool. just because I couldn't play yeah. very well. <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm just, I mean, that's, oh man. We'll start to completely derail us here. But um, so how did you no, get from, so you started with guitars. Uh, well, sorry, you, you taught yeah. yourself guitars. And you realized that you were doing stuff to get to guitars that synthesizers could, you know, could do. You were playing with the sounds, the intonations, that sort of thing. Um, so when you started getting into synthesizers, was Dallas a thing then or did that come later? Um, so, yeah, I used to mess around with um, with like logic because that was it. I was playing guitar. I was kind of just writing little songs in my room when I was like 16 onwards. And then um, I went to my university while still mainly focused on the guitar and they had like a little modular setup, but it terrified me. So I stayed away from that. And I would always just kind of stay in logic for ages. And then um, it was only when I started to. Um, like coming towards like halfway towards the end of my uni, I was like, I got on the little Korg Volker things. Oh, nice. And then that was kind of my route into the kind of dollar suck side of stuff. Um, but even then for the longest, it was a bit of like a hot and cold relationship. I'd use it nonstop for a month and then I'd hate it. And then I'd go revisit it a few months later. Then I hate it again. Wow. And then, um, yeah, I mean, eventually I kind of got over that and now I'm <laughs> entirely normally dollars, but that's yeah. awesome. Do you still have your Korg Volker? Nah, I sold them. Oh, okay. I sold them for the. Uh, I'm I'm criminal for um selling <laughs> stuff. So like I had them. I sold them for the the Behringer TD3 303 clone. Oh, sold nice. that for a module for my modular. Sold that for something else. Yeah, the, that got sold like five times ago. Oh my! You know, it's funny. Like you're one of the only people that I know who's actually succeeded in selling their gear. A lot of us just kind of yeah. like say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put up on eBay. Like we'll just sell it. And then it just kind of sits there. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm notorious, you know, ask my wife, like she, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff here that I'm like, that's, that's meant, yeah, that's meant to be sold, but, um, doesn't quite ever make it out the door, you know, like maybe I've sold a yeah. camera or two, but synthesizer stuff, it's like, I want to sell it, but then I'm like, I just want to hear it play one more time and yeah. then it just kind of sits well, on myself my forever times. yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's easy to uh do it but i think because my room is so bloody small and because i'm always like, moving around and stuff like that yeah you like, mentioned right. like you're, you have to crawl to get to your bed so you're in your bedroom right now that's your studio yeah so this Incredible. is like this bit's all simps and then like literally to the right of me behind my poly brute is my uh my bed which is just yeah oh, it's not fun that's but awesome it's, <laughs> 
gets the job done. I mean, hey, but it's kind it's of cheap. inspiring, you know, when I was back in university and back in, you know, like when I first got out into the, the real world, that was really how I lived too. I was like constantly rearranging my room, um, constantly trying to find the best way to access all my instruments and in an inspiring kind of manner at all times, you know, like have everything hooked yeah. up and all that. But um, I'm, I do miss those days. Like right now with um, with a baby, it, it I had to kind of like give up you know, part of my space in my house, course, but yeah, I have yeah. like a little shelf that I keep a lot of my dollars, you know, little desktop synths on. And that's kind of yeah. still my little, my little space that I can, um, you know, go and jam out whenever I want and whatnot. So yeah, yeah that's cool. It's important I just, to have your area. Absolutely. But it's just fun that you have all this stuff out, you know, and available to you at all time. Um, so, yeah. you know, you mentioned like the Polybrew and all these synthesizers that you use, um, but I've noticed in a lot of your videos, the OP1 will sort of take the center stage. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your journey took you to OP1? Yeah, so like as I said, so I started with the Volkers and then I kind of got into modular from there, started building my modular stuff. And then always you were seeing the OP1 in everywhere. Like yeah. um like it it was always in somebody's video when you're going through like Instagram or something like that. Mm. And I always kept my eye on it, but it was always a little bit out of um out of budget for me because I, I was a broke uni student. And then um I moved to uh I moved to London. I was sleeping on my sister's sofa whilst trying to find a house slash being a little bit poor. Wow. And I saw an OP1 pop up on, I think it was eBay or Reverb for like £400. Oh my God. And I was a bit like, I've got to do it because it's like, this is the only chance, like now or never kind of thing. So wow. I literally moved, I think I moved off my sister's sofa into a house and got an OP1 on the same day, Ooh. which is probably a pretty good day. I literally had nothing else in my room. <laughs> I like I hadn't moved my stuff in at all, so I was just there on a mattress with an OP1, wow. um, which is fun. It was a fun time. That's pretty cool. Um, like I can imagine that's a very minimal. Like, oh, like this is like minimalism to the extreme here, but um, yeah, wow. it's like those memes where people have like yeah. a, a PS4 and a, like and a deck chair, and that's all they that's, have in their yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like that. So you've been hearing about OP1, you've been seeing it on Instagram, you got one what were some of the first things you decided that you wanted to do with it? Um, well, cause like I didn't really, I didn't have my laptop with me at that mm -hmm. time and stuff like that. I kind of, I messed around with the synth stuff and I was like, it's cool. Um, but the thing that always caught my eye on it was the sampler. Mm. Um, always like blew my mind. So I was, first thing I was doing, I was running around recording everything I could get like my hands on, but like, yeah stuff like i was like flicking like doing like making glasses resonate flicking oh, windows cool. just anything for like weird percussion stuff and seeing how it sounded pitched down and pitched up and then like cutting it up really really fine to do mm -hmm. some granular stuff um yeah that was straight away the first thing that sucked me in and then i kind of yeah i went into the synthesis side of stuff and that was cool running that through like effects pedals but it was always mm -hmm. the sampler that has always kept me um yeah, going back to the OP1, to be honest. Wow. So when you say cutting stuff up to make granular sounds, you're taking a sample of something and then just making it a very small, what, repeating sample? Yeah. Is that what you do? Yeah. And then, so making it, yeah, cutting it really, really fine. So like the total length of the sample is probably like, like, I don't know, like half a second long, if that, oh. a quarter of a second. Um, just a couple of milliseconds and then um, messing with like the envelope filter on there so you can kind of see how it fades in and out and then yeah just and then combining that with the pitch stuff it can always it creates weird textures but weird rhythms as well as you pitch it down wow. and like pitch it up yeah. it's always just been yeah 
the kind of part of it that I found that I've just loved the most. Of the oh my OP1. god! Well, I know what I'm doing uh, with my OP1 after this interview. I mean, I just <laughs> I gotta try that. There's so many sounds that I have stored in the in the machine. But um, I've never actually thought, what if I just take a tiny snippet of that sound? What are the things that I can create? What are the textures that I can get out of that? Um, and I don't think I've yeah. even like touched the the whole pitching up, pitching down of um, you know, of actual analog noises that I've recorded in the real world. So, dude, that is um, yeah. that is extremely valuable information for us here. I mean, that's something that you know anyone out there with a sampler. Um, can try out try some granular texture making with your um with whatever sampler it is um so when you were doing yeah. these because i've noticed with a lot of your you know a lot of your instagram videos do feature your op1 and sort of your method of you know sampling things and kind of downshifting but i've always noticed a lot of effects so you'll have like some distortions some reverbs are those kind of on board op1 or are you kind of like generating those sounds outside and bringing them in how does that whole process kind of happen uh, it's a combination of the mm -hmm. two. So I, I like, I do try and mention it in the videos as much as possible, but most of the time I do forget. Um, but sometimes it's, you can like, um, I can't remember where it is on the mm -hmm. OP one, but there's like that slight, like overdrive section, I think on the, um, on the mixer or something at the end. Oh, like the game? That's quite uh, a fun game one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then as well, like resampling stuff internally within it a lot of times and really cranking it till it gets oh, destroyed. Cool. But, um, <laughs> same as well with like then using like Ableton, just to kind of push it a little bit and I was bringing the DAW in, but there's, um, mm -hmm. yeah, kind of like jumping back and tweet back and, um, back and forth between, back and forth between yes. the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's super and then, smart. um, yeah. guitar pedals yeah, as well, which is okay. always a fun time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah. The guitar pedals for things like distortion for probably like reverbs and stuff like that. I've noticed you used, yeah. um, some Valhalla reverb at some point as well. Yeah. Always been a big fan of excellent that. Excellent DSP. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's um, and we'll we'll give one of your tracks a listen here in just a second, um, just to kind of like showcase some of the sounds that you're using. I mean, it's really, um, it's it's really really awesome, like that you can get the sound from such a small synthesizer, um, just yeah. through the manipulation of just some tiny little you know sound that you have. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, that's really cool. I'm, and actually, just kind of segueing into some of your Instagram stuff. So, how did you get started on uh, Instagram, creating music content on there, um, and I guess how long have you been on Instagram? Uh, I mean, I've had that Instagram account since I was like, like the thirteen, something like that. Oh, wow! It used to just be my own personal one, and then I kind of posted a couple of synth videos. Cool. I think I posted a couple of guitar stuff back in the day, and then it was around um, the pandemic kind of time, so twenty twenty. Yeah, I just. Um, I, I was living in the States at the time and I'd just been kicked out. Um, and I was like kind of back at my parents' place, had a couple of simps and I was like, right, I've got however much time before university starts back up again. I can't get a job. So I'm just going to have to be broke and mess around with my simps, kind of leech <laughs> off my parents a little bit. So I kind of was like, right, I'm going to do something productive in that time and just um, go really big on the Instagram kind of grind. And then, um, yeah, I was just messing with simps, doing little bits and bobs there um and then yeah I, so around 2020 was when i properly kind of got into it but yeah just weird short clips i'd chuck it up there a couple of friends would like it and then i kind of got a bit more into it yeah and then um yeah like there's a nice thing about the whole instagram synth community that everybody's always super nice mm -hmm. always looking for new people um yeah and then um eventually yeah the op1 video is kind of picked up a lot when i eventually got that and wow. um yeah, that kind of really helped with a it lot of growth. Up. I mean, your Instagram stuff. is uh, extremely popular, I would say. 
<laughs> that's really, yeah, that's it's, really it cool. It was stupid yeah. how quickly it um, kind of did it. It was just wow. like I literally got the OP one, yeah. and then um, I think I think I went up by like in the space of three months from like I was stuck on one thousand three hundred followers to like over ten thousand in in like two months, and I was like, this wow. is I've been stuck on this for bloody ages and now it's oh doing this. It's like God. typical. That's crazy. But, well, I mean, um, but you do stuff with the OP one that I think, you know, other users are just craving to know. Um, so I, I'm not surprised at all that, you know, your account, you know, where, where you're sharing some of your process and some of your jams, I'm not surprised at all that it grew. That's really, that's awesome content. I will say, um, yeah, how, how did, it. how did the name Robinson's village kind of come around? Uh, so I was, I think it was when I was, I used to, release robinson's village used to be like a kind of garage rock kind of like psychedelic rock kind of name and i was like cool. i just finished an old project that i started when i was like 2016 when i was like 16 years old called grain um and then i was like right i need a new name and then there's a there's like um a bottle of squash in the uk which is like a cordial like a kind of syrup that i guess that you have with water <laughs> that's like kind of fruit flavored um that all kids would have i like i was just like looking for new names i was like yeah. and that the brand for that is called robinson's so i was like right oh. robinson and then i was like village and i was like just about to upload nice. this song and i was like well i don't have any time to change it so i'm gonna just do that cool and then it kind of stuck around people liked it um and i was like okay i mean i, I don't hate it which is um you know a couple <laughs> of years down the line i was like that's a good sign so um <laughs> that's a good sign <laughs> yeah just kind of kind of went from there interesting and, um, i was just yeah, really and then curious it's kind of morphed yeah. but yeah oh that's super cool so in in your robinson's village instagram account obviously you're seeing a lot of op1 videos and stuff um i've also noticed that you actually have a real four track uh, tape recorder yeah and so i was just wondering what your experiences um were with that how, did you use that before you had op1 or did it come afterwards and how would you sort of compare the two in use so i think it only i only got that um about a year ago actually mm. um so i've had the op1 now for about like two years okay. um uh, but yeah the four track i got that about a year ago um yeah and it's it's, it's great um i mean it's nice to um sometimes as well like for like other bits of gear that i have running that into that and kind of treating it like the workflow that you would have within the op1 with cool. the four tracks yep. but just with all the gear that you have around um and then as well like tape is just like fun it can oh, you can yeah. <laughs> break it you can ruin it like you can really overdrive it you can slow it down it has so many cool artifacts and just adds a real nice warmth and hiss which um it's very pretentious, but it's it's a fun time. I mean, it's it's, a, it's um, an analog sort of kind of a, a warmth or drive that a lot of us are, kind of, yeah. are looking for, right? So when you're actually using yeah. a four track, are you kind of like recording one line going back to record another one? Or are you recording to all four tracks at once? How does that process work? Normally, it would be recording to all four tracks at once. Yeah. Like I'd have, say, the OP1 going into one channel polybrute into another modular into another nice. and then like some drums um and i'll just kind of get a jam going sequencing off each other um but sometimes as well i do like to overlap it especially when doing like tape loops and stuff like that like cool. it's nice to build on it see how it kind of goes mm -hmm. and it's a nice different kind of workflow where like you don't have a I, I never have a metronome on or anything like that so it's just kind of just seeing where everything kind of goes doing it by ear so it's a little bit like 
always a little bit off nice. and a little bit janky yeah but that's it's... more organic that way right i mean that's, that's yeah that's exactly. another sound that i think a lot of us are trying to get into is you know sequencers are really awesome i mean i think they're extremely useful um things to you know have synthesizers play back what you put into them but um also right. that organic you know like my synth stab was just a little ahead or a little bit behind the beat i think that's that's becoming a lot more um you know it's catching on i think yeah, yeah. i think there's something yeah. about that as well like i'm a big fan of um like especially as well like mm -hmm. destructive editing and nice. stuff like that oh definitely like, i mean with your like distortion you and your, your over you know sampling and stuff that you're doing i mean i can yeah. definitely tell but like cutting up tape and like if you have a mistake cool or like if you push something so far it's committed and you can't go back and save it and i yep. guess it's the same thing on the op1 like there's only so many so much time that you have on there and right. it, you can't go back an awful lot there's no one do so if you mess up but you have a good take you just have to live with it and i think that creates so many happy mistakes or like if you have a sound that you're not super happy with a week later you can't go back and tweak it necessarily right. because right. that's what you sampled yeah. and yeah yeah and then you get the carving away at that's trying to undo your mess ups and then as a result you get a fun like more fun mistakes from that so oh, it's, it's a nice <laughs> workflow um, i like that yeah that's, i like that's, that, that I, tape on the op1 that is a very good i think philosophy to have with music i mean you're not always going to get the sound that you were going for what you want but at the end of the day it is going to be something unique yeah definitely i think definitely. Um, that might be a pretty good segue into playing your first track this is um you mentioned polybrood and op1 combo so this is something yeah. that i believe you made a step sequence on op1 but you're playing polybrood yeah. live i think this is um i think this is one of more your more uh, recent uh, op1 polybrood combos that you've done so let's give it a listen and then we'll t just hear a little bit about your experiences with polybrood and we'll kind of move things towards uh modular as well i'm kind of interested in getting to know how you started with all of that um that whole cool. fun world so let's give this track a listen um not sure if it has a name or whatnot but um let's just hear it thump right here on second operator we'll come right back Just wow. I mean, that was, first of all, the beats were thumping. Everything was really, really cool. You created this extremely interesting atmosphere. Those big chords and stuff coming from Polybrood, I think, are just really, really fun. But there was that melody line um, that just kind of cuts through on OP1. I think that was like the digital synth or the, uh, I always get the cluster in digital um and yeah mixed up. me too don't worry <laughs> i think it was even i might have been the cluster okay i think yeah. maybe but i can't just remember, like it was wobbly yeah. it was really really cool so um I'm, I'm not sure if you remember exactly you know what went into creating this particular jam but um is, is you know do you remember creating this on polybrood and op1 vaguely i mean i think um it all started yeah with just um I like so that's the thing, especially with the Instagram videos. I'll be like, right, I'm gonna just pick two instruments, nice. cram them together, and that'll be today's post or whatnot. Nice. But um, 
Yeah, so that, I think that did start with the drums on the OP1. Oh, cool. Or like the little lead as well. Um, and then the poly brute, I was kind of like, right, I know I can kind of wing it. So I kind of cycled through what um, the presets that I've made, cool. a couple of filter tweaks. And I was like, keep the poly brute somewhat simple. Let the complexity lie within the OP1 wow. with a nice pre-recorded track so I don't mess it up too much. Nice. And then, um, yeah, a couple of takes and we had it down. And yeah, a good time. <laughs> so cool. How how has your experience with the Polybrute been? I mean, this is one of the I, I think one of the largest um, desktop. Well, it's not really a desktop, but it is one of the largest synthesizers I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, it's, how has that been? Yeah, it's been insane. Um, yeah, well, uh, it's uh, behind yeah, you. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, it, you could just do so much with it. Cool. Like. Um, like I, yeah, I've made a lot of presets for it, and every single one, like it, it just—it's amazing to how broad you can get a sound, like, and how um, it can create something that's super soft and super chill, and then you can program within it just something that just sounds absolutely insane, and there's like a wow. robot dying. It's absolutely <laughs> nuts. <laughs> I think um, that's the sound we all are striving for—the robot dying. Oh, always, yeah. <laughs> always. Gotta be done. That's awesome. But yeah, no, I, I love it. It's my, probably my favorite um, polysynth. Yeah, wow. I can't get enough of it. Is it analog? Like, it, and it's circuitry, or is it um, digital oscillators? I'm pretty sure it's analog. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a combo of the two as well. Wow. Um, but yeah, like the thing that shines most to me <laughs> is um, it has all the internal like effects Very as cool. well which is just like once again to kind of be outside of a DAW right, and just right. do everything in that and not have to like load up Ableton and stack up 10 different effects to get a weird sound. You can just do it in the Polybrew, have them all mm. automating of some weird thing. And yeah. yeah, you can just get lost in it for hours. That's cr- Oh, so you can modulate the effects based on the stuff in your sequence yeah, and stuff. That you can is modulate awesome. everything oh in my it. God. It's insane. Goodness. So that's, like, yeah, it's um, almost like a semi-modular yeah. synthesizer where you can kind of re, you know, tweak, effects and kind of change things as yeah. it goes that's really cool. Exactly. i've always noticed because doesn't it have the little grid in the middle where you can kind of program in notes and stuff yeah wow. and that's where yeah. like you like select everything that's where like you can use it as a sequencer then you press cool. another button and that's where you have like you can assign however many different lfos or variable oh things to tweak whatever weird little thing you want to tweak and then have them things tweaking that tweak another thing oh it's it's crazy it, it's yeah it's it's stupid it's how much you can do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've yeah. having never seen one in person, just in videos and stuff. I can't really comprehend the um, enormity of its size, but I can definitely yeah. tell just, oh, just from behind you. It looks, yeah, it looks like a beast. That thing, I'm yeah, so it's scary. Does it have a lot of connection to say like your modular or your other gear, like besides sync synchronizing and all that kind of stuff? Does it have any other? Uh, I mean, I don't even synchronize it. Um, for oh, sorry, me, it's lot, just yeah, yeah like because. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but I've just, every time that whole thing's kind of come up and especially like syncing stuff over MIDI, I kind of just, I always say I'm going to do it. And then it comes to setting it up and I just can't be bothered a little (laughs) bit. So I quite like having, I know, I know exactly that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, Oh, it just becomes so much effort, but it's not, I love how rusty it is pressing play on like five different things at once (laughs) and getting the timing ever so slightly off and then doing it again. Yeah, but I think like it's that just creates yeah like once again as said earlier like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. happy accidents. Yes, and that's yeah like that's with the polybrew. I probably should yeah. get around to hooking it up with my modular, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, for the time being, I'm happy with how it is. Um, but maybe one day. That's pretty Maybe cool. one day. I will. Well, so speaking of modular, so um, you mentioned that, you know, you, you were you're back at your parents' place and you had some, I guess, some money saved up from, you know, so you're supposed to be living in New York, but yeah. the time was cut short due to COVID and all that. And you kind of ended up using that on your first sort of modular setup. So can you tell us a bit about how you got or just really how you started figuring out your modular setup and how you kind of wanted that to evolve? Yeah. So before all of this, mm-hmm. I did have the, um, I remember at one point I bought the Behringer model D, um, which was, yeah, like I had that kind of there already, yeah. but I was always a little bit, I don't know. I kept on seeing it. I was like, I love playing with it, but it confuses me. Um, especially once again, the sinking over MIDI. And then, yeah, I was at my parents' place and I was like, right, I'm going to get myself. Um, I've got a little bit of money saved back. Mm-hmm. I was like, right, I'm going I'm to spend this on, um, and I was doing some freelance stuff online as well. I was like, I'm going to spend this on just getting a modular case nice. to start with. That's such so I got, luckily, at the same time, like, I think, aspect oh. of modular that none of us really think of. All of us are like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get the mutable. And you got to start with your case. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get the case because yes. the case defines on how much money you're going to absolutely blow on this so stupid true. thing. Yes. Um, and I got one that was way too big. Oh, no. And <laughs> as a result, it did lead to a bit of a bad spending habit, which I sold it for a smaller case. And I'm okay. much happy with okay, cool. uh, with the IntelliGel. It's just a much nicer oh, size. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But I had the Model D. I had nothing to control it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put it into my rack and then I had the maths and that was it. And I just spent the whole time just making laser noises. Um, (laughs) I couldn't control a single thing. So it'd be an LFO going up and then just trying to figure it out and like just really restrict myself to those two modules. So I think I just made a bunch of like weird one shots for tracks that I was working on, just weird Star Wars sounding things. And then, um, and then eventually I was like, right, what do I need next? So I went from there. I got the clouds because I was like, a reverb would be cool. Nice. Then I eventually got the a controller, got the key step. Okay, and then cool. from there, just slowly built it up, but trying to not be suckered into how um, easy it is yeah. to like just get carried yep. away. Oh with. my God. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. I was like, right, I'm a, I'm a, I must be slow with it and just cool. slowly build it up. I mean, I didn't have much money anyway which is stupid getting into modular when you're broke. But um, <laughs> luckily it was the right time when Berenger was doing all those kind of cheaper kind of little bits and bobs. Right. Right. And right. I was like, Bones okay, yeah. that's a nice way for me to ease in, but not be too committed to it. And then I can get them and sell them and then get some cool stuff that I do want. Like as yeah. time goes on. Oh, that's super but smart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely someone who's like feet are still at the edge of the of the water i have not um mm. dived in yet but um i think you know it really does come to just fi- find a, finding a case and then yeah. um being prepared to buy and sell uh modulars i think yeah i think that's really important an important thing to keep in mind is that you know you'll have as much fun as you can with a combination of two three modules but eventually it might be time to you know upgrade or change out some of the modules that you um that you use Definitely. Yeah. And there's a lot of modules as well where people like really say, this is like the must have module. You oh need God. to have so, this. Oh, and so you blow that, yeah. so much money on yes, it. Like it's yes. going to change my life. Yeah. And then it, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit with your workflow. And it's like, that's fine. Like you don't like, just cause it's a popular module doesn't mean that you necessarily have to, um, you don't have to necessarily like it. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah, it may, it might not work with how you want your setup, um, and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. 
it's a nice way to write it. Absolutely. Um, so you have both modular and self-contained desktop synthesizers. Is, is there a workflow that you prefer? Do you prefer modular sometimes over the self-contained stuff or vice versa? Yeah. So I think it depends on what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. If it's so like, especially with, um, like with an Instagram post, uh, like I know a module will be a cool, quick, like idea generator, and same as well for my own personal music. Mm, I know I know the modular is kind of like I can get more creative with it, but then that's if I'm just, just kind of like hunting down just any source of inspiration. Whereas if I've got something in my head, mm. it's way easier to just pick up the polybrute or the OP1 yes. and just kind of go from there. Um but yeah, it, so yeah, like modulars for like idea generation, then everything else is just for like yeah, I know what I want to do. I want something that's kind of reliable. Oh, interesting. It's like a, almost like a, um, like a painter's palette versus a yeah. artist's sketchbook or something. You know, with the sketchbook, you know yeah. exactly what you want to draw or, you know, maybe you're just fiddling around with some ideas, but it's down. But with, this, with a painter's palette, you're just you're basically just choosing colors that you want to, um, yeah, to then sure. paint with. So that's, really, that's a cool way to use it. I'm, I never thought about um, the way I think is mostly just, you know, have a track made that's it it's done i don't really think in terms or i've never really thought in terms of what is the sound that i'm going for what is a soundscape that i'm trying to you know luck into or maybe accident myself into or whatnot right so i think that's gonna that's gonna give me and hopefully a lot of the listeners out there just stuff to maybe strive for you know um if you're stuck maybe just try and whittle it down or just simplify it down to just one sound to maybe begin with maybe just one little grain of a sound to then you know start with that might inspire an entire track to come eventually but i think just the manipulation of sound to create you know something to eventually become something else i think that's super important as well yeah for sure like i think um it's yeah it's an important way to kind of flow through it all yes yeah and it's easy to get overthink everything so um (laughs) it's nice to just kind of vibe it out a little bit and yes. especially for like i said for like instagram posts and stuff like that yeah. like i remember at one point i was doing a post every day looking up potentially doing two posts a day which was My stupid wow. and i That's was like <laughs> i was like i need lots of ideas yes um and so i was like yeah like trying to kind of get on that and i know the modular saved me so many times with that because it was just like yeah you don't really have to overthink it you can just put something together it might sound awful when you hear it the next day but that's fine because the post's already been done and done. posted <laughs> <laughs> well here's what we'll do let's play another one of your tracks this is the one with your um behringer uh rd9 um along with your op1 and this is the one with your valhalla uh, reverb on it as well so we'll play that and when we come back let's talk a little bit about we'll kind of conclude things on advice to newcomers to the synthesizer world uh to the instagram world and other project shout outs and things like that that you have so let's give this one a listen here this is another thumper so um you know ready your ears everyone um this is another one that just i think is just so so cool um let's hear it now right here now on second operator this is Thank <laughs> you. 
All right, may I just say, oh my God, that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. Um, it, you had some, you know, like you said, a ton of side chaining going on, just a really thumping beat yeah. here. And on OP1, you were using the, uh, the cow, um, the C CWO effect here to, to yeah. basically just create a drop um, before you bring this beat back in on the RD9. So I think that's an absolutely incredible um, uh, track that you have going on. But all of it seems to be, you know, like you were saying in the beginning, like over overdriven, very distorted and, and just kind of crushed to the point of just sounding really distinct and really kind of hot i would say like the beat is just like really driven and i think that's really um yeah yeah that's super cool <laughs> so yeah i like a bit of distortion i, think I can tell a, yeah i yeah, mean like, like a lot of your synth sounds are very very heavily distorted like that they're huge but this one in, in, yeah. in particular I, like i feel like i was inside the sun <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there's a there's there's like the two i like to use like distortion in two ways where it's like that where it's like really in your face nice and then there's a fun way for like using it for like once again like i use it on a lot of my instagram posts but in a lot of my own music where mm -hmm. it's like distortion that ends up kind of mellowing everything out in an ambient way as well cool. like where you distort it so much so that it loses the tone the tonality and becomes just like quite like a wash of noise wow. and it's um yeah it's called the scale and how like different you can get distortion um and i like, just by slamming stuff and it's fun who doesn't like a bit of distortion i mean hey i think it's super sick <laughs> <laughs> wow. well thank you again for like sharing your music with us here on the show um yeah of so course. kind of in conclusion you know um i just wanted to ask you you know for advice to newcomers to the synthesizer world uh i mean it's a it's a nice way to um i've had like a lot of people message me recently asking like nice. what are some good go-to mm -hmm. um like starter bits and i would say you can't go wrong with the cheapest synth that you can find whether it is a Korg Volker or like a cheap Casio and nice. like a guitar pedal or two. Like, I think that's, um, yeah, like you can, you can just go so far with it with like a multi effects thing and don't, um, don't strive for anything like massive or insane. Just enjoy where you're at and then just, um, yeah, prepare yourself and just enjoy before you get sucked into the whole like gas stuff. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And as well, like, as yeah. I said earlier, like, um, with music production stuff, enjoy the mistakes, enjoy yeah. being bad at it, um, and enjoy just like, yeah, kind of sucking at it all. And, um, <laughs> you got to keep on just striving to finding out like more, like, yeah, it's part of the fun of it. Enjoy the process and stuff. I love it. I will gladly enjoy being bad at it after this interview <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> i mean hey it's all part of the practice it's all part of exactly. you know learning your instruments exactly. and becoming a better artist um yeah well that's cool well how about some advice to newcomers to the instagram synth world uh i mean it's a nice community um keep an eye out to um what other people are doing and what people are doing well mm -hmm. in terms of like an algorithm because at the end of the day like it's all about obviously posting your content out there and um you know, we're just having a nice port like folio of stuff like that and yeah. engaging with other people, but it's fun as well to see your stuff doing well. So it's just like, yeah, just keep on him, but just enjoy the process. Yeah. Look out for an algorithm. Don't burn yourself out. Okay. Um, 
like which is uh yeah a very key thing i think we've right. all been don't, there don't a try to bit. do two posts per day i think it's a little yeah it's little stupid yeah. it's stupid yeah. like <laughs> i do like three a week and now that's just like perfect that's a good number but yeah yeah but yeah, just enjoy it. Like um, Instagram's brutal. And also as well, stuff like Instagram, TikTok, there's always going to move on to the next thing. So right. don't get too hung up if, if um, yeah, the if you're not doing as well as you want to be. Yeah. Right, you're not getting as just many likes or posting. Cool. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really good just advice. Write it I mean, all out. Yeah, just use it as a portfolio. You know, maybe stuff to remember times in your life that you were, you know, where you were where you were at when you wrote a particular piece. So no, that's pretty solid advice for anyone, you know, new to the Instagram synth world. Um, So before we conclude, do you have any current projects that you're working on? Anything you want to shout out? Um, So I had a song come out about two weeks ago um, called Birds, Birds, Birds. This has been heavily featured on your Instagram. I think it's three. Yep, three birds. Oh, I've been shoving it down everybody's (laughs) throat. Bless them. I've been... My TikTok's way worse. I've uh, been like posting about it three times a day, just churning just stuff out there. I feel yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's been doing well. So that's been fun. Um, got another song coming out in probably July time. I think I've got it oh, queued up. Nice. I can't quite remember. Cool. Bit more ambient stuff. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I'm just trying to do a little bit of that. Damn, trying to um that's awesome. Broaden out a little bit, yep. kind of still enjoy the Instagram stuff, but kind of yeah, stretch out a little bit further. Wow. And um but yeah, still just enjoying messing with simps. That's super cool. Yeah, anything like anything that you make that's ambient, I can tell is gonna have that sort of that distorted warmth to it. Yeah, it's kind of you know, oh man. And if you have a dying robots track, I'd love to hear that as well. I think that's gonna be really Hell yeah. cool. <laughs> um, I've noticed that you actually play some shows live as well. Do you have any upcoming events or anything like that that you're gonna do? Um, no, not anything set to um come up. I mean I'm very keen to play some, but it's been the kind of thing where it's like I've been kind of rebuilding my set um nice. to kind of move away from the previous stuff so before oh, i just used cool. to use op1 the sp404 live now i've tried to bring my modular into it and oh. do it more sp404 and op1 but heavily feature the modular cool. just so i can kind of have a bit more fun with it live and add a bit of risk and a little bit of messing up so oh that's cool. well, yeah. what's the performative aspect of modular as well you're going to just be like it, exactly cables out here and there and you know, i don't yeah. know a little bit of chaos yeah no that's awesome well, thank you so much good. for, you know, for sharing your little bit of chaos with us here on Second Operator. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and just learning about your process. And I think you've honestly given our listeners the most, you know, solid um, do this on your synthesizer type advice that I've heard so far. <laughs> so honestly, thank you for bringing, you know, that value um, to all the listeners out there. So really, really okay. thank you. And it was really just nice talking to you, you know, for the first time yeah, ever and, you know, meeting a fellow uh, OP1 enthusiast, meeting another synthesis, um, really, really awesome stuff. And I cannot wait to see and hear uh, your upcoming projects and stuff and maybe hopefully see you live at some point in time. I mean, who knows what your modular rig will look like then? <laughs> who knows what your performance will be? But whatever the case, I look forward to it. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for having yeah. me. It's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, man, absolutely. All right, James, well, you have a great rest of your night. I know you just got out of work and stuff. You might be kind of tired, but... I'm going to make some food. Absolutely, man. Well, huge pleasure having you on. We'll catch you uh, at some you. other time on uh, Instagram. Cheers. <laughs> cool. Take care. And you can follow James at at sign Robinson's Village on Instagram. He's also on YouTube, and he has a link tree in his Instagram bio, so definitely check that out. You've been listening to Second Operator. Thank you so, so much for joining us here on the live stream, if you have, and being part of this awesome community. 
Next week, we're going to be interviewing the DC-based synth artist Alex Rolden. Cannot wait to get into his music and process. Please keep an eye on my Instagram page for more details on that. If you want to get in touch with me with any news or community shout-outs, you can connect with me on Instagram at at signsecond.operator, as well as on Twitter at at second underscore operator. You can find us right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash at second operator, and eventually on every podcast platform in the known universe, and hopefully other dimensions too. If you'd like to support our show, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash second operator. The lowest tier is $1 a month, which will still get you a cool sticker for participating in supporting this show. And for all the listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.